you have your Bibles here this morning, like if you turn to Luke, Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23 here this morning, and uh, I would like to preach with the help of the Lord on a death row interview, a death row interview. We find in the scripture this morning of three men that are on the cross. We'll find one on the left, we'll find one on the right, and we'll find one in the middle. This morning, all three of those are on the cross to die, to be crucified. We know that one is lost without God. He's died, he's going to die in his sin. We know the other, one in the middle, has come to die for sin. And we know the one on the right will be one who gotten saved. We'll see that. He died to sin. All three are on a death row. And we find here this morning that the one that got saved is the one we want to talk about this morning. So as we stand to our feet in honor of God's word, we'll begin reading in verse 39. And we'll talk to the one about the one who Jesus said, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. We see in verse 39, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus this morning. We are so grateful, Lord, for the salvation of the Lord. We're thankful today, Lord, that you have gathered us together in this one place. While we didn't come here today on accident, we didn't come here today, Lord, even by choice. We come here because this was your will. And so, Lord, we pray this morning that you speak to our hearts and you speak to our souls. Father, I don't know where each one is at with you. I don't know this morning the condition of every heart. I don't know even the atmosphere or even the circumstance that they're in. But I do know this morning that you can answer each one and every one. And so we pray this morning as we look at the Word of God that you take the Word of God and begin to work within our hearts and the Spirit of God to begin to speak to us today in such a way that it would change our lives for all of eternity. Save a soul this morning. Help the saved. I pray you draw us unto you here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated here this morning. Now we know that all, especially this one this morning who Jesus said to him, uh, today shall thou be with me in paradise, that one is who we're going to focus on. That's who we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, but I want to say this, that this one uh, this morning as others, they have a family and they had a mother and has a father. Uh, they got uh, a family of some type this morning, we know of those two they may have a brother they may have a sister uh they may have a cousin or niece or or we don't know all, but we know he has a mother and he knows he has a father 
And so my thought was this morning just kind of sit down and have an interview with the family. Now, whomever that may be, mother, father, me, brother, and sister, we don't know all the details of that, but we do know that he has a family. We all do. And if you would sit down with that family and you would ask the family uh, some questions concerning this one uh, that has died on the cross uh, where Jesus has died, and a few questions. I got three questions I want to ask that individual who knew, who knows of, who's been around, who has some kind of knowledge of that individual who's on uh, the cross. The first question that, that I would ask as an interviewer uh, to those, to that one who's being interviewed or those is this, number one, is tell me what you know about the reputation of this one. Tell me what you know about the reputation. You know, that's important, don't you think? If I would sit down with each one of you this morning and say, hey, listen, won't you tell me the, the, what do you know about the reputation of your spouse, the reputation of your father, the reputation of your children? Would that tell the tale? Would that give the very essence of who you are and what you are? I mean, if you go to a co-worker this morning uh, or tomorrow as I walk to your place of your, of your employment and I go in and I talk to the boss or I talk to a co-worker, I talk to somebody you work along with, I say, can I ask you a question about so-and-so? Would you tell me what you know about the reputation of that individual? Would you think that would be a picture? Do you think that would tell me exactly who they are, what they are? And so we find uh, in the many mindsets and those who we're talking about has a different outlook or a different view than those that are around them. Amen? Those that are around them, who watch them live every day, who watch them react every day, watch them respond every day, who watch their behaviors, watch their habits, and watch the things that go on, the words that they speak, or the things they look at on TV or on the Internet. Uh, that will describe you pretty well. And so this one who we're about to interview about that one that was on the cross that died, uh, the question, the first question is, is tell me about what do you know about the reputation of that individual? Well, that one would say, I know, I know that he was a thief. I know that, that he was a thief. Well, we know that, that, that that's true because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 27, verse 38, then there were two thieves. There were two thieves. So Jesus was placed between two thieves. And so this one individual who would know that, she said, I know without a shadow of a doubt this guy's a thief. Now that word thief there, it means a robber. That that individual would just rob anyone or everyone. But he's not just a robber or a thief that's kind and gentle. Uh, it also means a mugger. And so they would say that the thief on the cross, he was a mugger. He, he was very violent. He was very subtle. He was very uh, not caring. I mean, he would just mug you. I mean, it didn't matter, friend. He would take whatever he had, you had on him. And so they would say, listen, this family member of mine, he was a thief. He was a robber. He was a mugger. It meant an outlaw. That word thief means an outlaw. So he's saying, or they're saying, that that one thief on the cross was an outlaw. I mean, that guy was just 
uh, one who's out of control. I mean, he had nothing at all uh, that controlled him. The authorities of his life was not there. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care what anybody said. He was going to do what he wanted to do. He was just an old rank outlaw. Amen. The fourth word that would describe that word thief, it means he was a rebel. A rebel. And so he was a thief, but the word means rebel. I mean, he was full of rebellion. He did not do what he was taught to do. He did not do what everybody else wanted him to do. Matter of fact, he didn't care what the law said. He didn't care if you worked hard for what you have. All he cared about is that's what he wanted. He was going to do it. And he had a rebel spirit about him, stubborn in every way. We find the fifth word that would describe the word thief. He was a looter. He was a looter. Whenever things go on and things happen in the town or, or some bad things happen, a, a storm would come by, an earthquake would happen. Uh, he would go back behind everybody that was evacuated. He'd go through their homes and he'd take all their stuff in their homes. Hey, would you like to have that guy for your friend? I mean, this thief here, according to the testimony, according to the witness, said that he was a thief. Number two, she would also say uh, not only was he a thief, but he was a talker. I mean, that guy talked. And turn your Bibles here with me this morning, and we verify that to Matthew chapter 27. Now, stay there in Luke, and we're going to come back to that. But in Matthew chapter 27, look in verse 44 with me, uh, if you don't mind, the same account, but from Matthew. The Bible says uh, that the thieves plural, both of them, also which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. What do you mean? Well, let's go up a little further then. Let's go there in about verse 37. The Bible says, and he set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. And then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they passed by, reviled him. Remember that? Reviled him, wagging their heads and saying that thou destroyest the temple and buildest in three days and thus save thyself if thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with scribes and elders said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be that king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we'll, we'll believe in him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Then verse 44, in context. The thieves also. There was everything that was spoken above, they were thanking it. Not were they thanking it, but they were saying it. The Bible says in verse 44, cast the same in his teeth. What that phrase means is, is when they mock Jesus, they mock Jesus. Whenever they reviled Jesus, they reviled Jesus. And when they were wagging their heads in hatred towards Jesus, they hated Jesus. And whatever the priests have said, whatever those the soldiers have said, what others would said about Jesus and the mockery and the reviling and the hating, they said, yes, we say the same thing, both of them. I mean, so she was saying, man, this fella here was not only a thief, this guy here was a talker, and he talked 
about Jesus. He talked about everything. He was just one that had a motor mouth. He had a filthy mouth. He just went about. He was doing things about him with his words and saying things that were hurtful and harmful. And you no, know, we could say a check to that one who's that witness saying, yeah, you're right. Yeah, he was a thief. And yeah, boy, he was a talker. I mean, he even, he even said all those ugly things and mean things about Jesus too. Right on the cross. We find number three that she would say, thirdly, I would say that no, I know that he was a thief and I know that he was a talker, but I know he was a transgressor. I know that. Well, we go to the Bible to see if that's the case and turn to Mark with me, chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, looking about verse 28 this morning as we're kind of just setting a foundation concerning this, this one who knew about this individual or knows this individual, the reputation, a thief, a talker, but a transgressor as well. Mark chapter 15, look in verse 28. The Bible says in the scriptures concerning this man, verse 27 says, And with him they crucified two thieves, and the one on his right hand, the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith he was numbered with the transgressors. She's right. This individual is a transgressor. This individual is one that is lawless. He didn't obey the laws. He didn't care for the law. He wasn't going to do what the law asked him to do. Matter of fact, if he's going to do something, he's going to go against the law. He's always going to go against the grain. He's going to always go against whatever they said to do and that he's not going to do. He is the one who is lawless. There's absolutely no abiding in law for him. There's no obedience to the authority in him. He said, I will do as I please and when I want to do it. And the Bible says that that thief was a transgressor, didn't it? Exactly what she said. We find that he was lawless. Number two, uh, he was wicked. That word transgressor means wicked. This guy had a wicked heart. This guy had a wicked mind. This guy lived a wicked life. This man right here that was, on the, that was a thief next to Jesus was one that was a violator. That word transgressor means violator. He violated the word of God. He violated the parents. He violated the friend. He violated the city. He violated the government. He violated the law. He lived in a way of violation. Everything he did, he went against everything that was right. He did everything that was wrong. The interview is going pretty well so far. We find that she would say he was just evil. Just evil. And that he was. Then the, the Bible says, back in Luke 23, verse 32, they call these guys one more name or describe them in one more other way. And so we find the Bible says in, in Luke 23, look in verse 32, the Bible says, and there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. So we find that they were thieves, and we knew all about that. We find that they were talkers. They were mouthing off and was mouthy. We find that they were transgressors, and, and the word malefactor doesn't mean he was a male. It, just, it means this morning he was base. A male factor is somebody who's very low, somebody who's a bottom feeder, somebody who has a base mind and a base heart. 
I mean, they're, they're male. They can be female. They can be son, daughter. They can be, uh, they can be any of this and any of that. But the bottom line, a male factor is one who lives on the bottom. There's no respect for himself. There's no respect for others. There's no authority within his heart. There's no authority outside of his life. He is very base, very wicked, very sorry, very no good, and low down. That word male factor only means base this morning, but it means this as well. It means somebody who's just worthless. You say, there ain't nobody worthless. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of worthlessness. There's a lot of people this morning who's worth nothing. All they do is what they do when they want to do it and how they want to do it. That's worthless. Nobody can do anything with them. They won't listen to authority. Uh, they won't follow instructions. Uh, they, they won't do what they're told. Uh, they won't take punishment. They won't receive instruction. That's worthless this morning. And that's what he was. Base, male factor. The last word, the last meaning of that malefactor is a bad nature. He was just bad nature. That was in him. That was who he was. His bad nature wasn't learned. His bad nature didn't come from a family member. It didn't come from the friends and from the places that he went. That bad nature was in him. He was just evil, depraved. The nature of man is that. And every single one of us in this room have it. Just an evil nature. So we find in this interview, she said, or they said, uh, that I know uh, about his reputation. That's what I know. I know, that he's a, I know he is one who's a thief. I know he's a talker. And I know he's a transgressor. That second question is asked. Not only do you tell me about what you know about his, his reputation, but can you tell me about what you know about his religion? About his religion. They would say, well, you know, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I never have known any religion that he has. We search the scriptures. Guess what's not there? Nothing. Nothing about religion at all. She said, well, you know, I have not known, or they said they don't know of anything. Uh, they said, I have never seen any religion of any kind. I've never known it. I've never seen it. And I've never heard it. No religion. No religion. And so we can honestly say this morning, uh, uh, as this interview is moving on, that this individual said, this is the reputation, but on the religion, there's no indication at all uh, that God was there. Number three, the next question is, well, then tell me, what do you know about his rest? You know, when somebody passes away, they say, may he rest in peace, right? So tell me, this man died on the cross or died there on Calvary, on Golgotha, the place of the skull. So tell me about his rest. Do you think 
that his soul is resting in heaven or hell? Good question. So you would think the interviewer who's interviewing, uh, uh, the one they interviewed would say, man, listen, I just told you his reputation. And man, that guy's a wicked man and there ain't no religion in his life. I would have to say he went to hell. Would that be honest assessment? Sure it would be. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had to go to hell. Man, there's just no way that, that he could go to heaven. I mean, this guy's life and no absence of God, but full of rebellion and wickedness. There's just no way. And so you say, well, uh, according to his ways, he went to hell, didn't he? According to his ways. According uh, uh, to his, his uh, lifestyle, he went to hell. According to his behavior and conduct, he went to hell. Now, that would be the assessment that you and I would be presented with. If I would come to you, friend, this morning as you are Bible students and Bible theologians and, and you know the Scripture back and forward from Genesis to Revelation, and I would describe this thief on the cross of Christ, of the cross of Calvary, and what day is the thief on the cross of Calvary, and I described all that I described to you this morning, the Bible made clear of, you'd say he has to go to hell. That's just common knowledge, right? Now, I know we've read the end of the story, but this interviewer or interviewee hasn't. We find from all indications that his soul is resting in hell. But we also find a scripture, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 with me, that kind of confirms it completely from this point of view. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. We'll come back to Luke here. The Bible says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor adulterers, and, uh, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. There you go. According to the Bible, this man was a thief. Bible says there ain't be no thieves in heaven. And so we find this morning, and with all, with all that we heard, all that we've got, all the information that we received, this settles it. It seems like we'd all have to agree that this man's soul would be resting in hell. And then those that the one that was interviewing this individual, the family of that one, would say, Can I tell you something that I know? That you may not know. Yes, tell me what you might know. I will do that. Number one about this man that I know that you don't know is, is this man was introduced to Jesus. Yeah. As a thief. In the worst state ever. He was so pathetic. That even the authority said, you're worthy of crucifixion. You can't get no worse than dying on a cross. It'd be better somebody just shoot you. Somebody just to hang you. Somebody just poison you. 
but to hang on the cross? This guy, friend, was, was one that was headed that away, but he was introduced to Jesus. Now I want you to notice the introduction to Jesus. It was in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Uh, look with me there in the scripture. Uh, the Bible says uh, there in uh, Luke 23 and verse 34, he says, and th- now remember now where this man's at. He's on the right side of Jesus on the cross. All right? So he heard, he's listening to all of this. He's hearing all that's going on. He's not ignorant of it. Bible says, then Jesus said, then, then said Jesus, Father, immediately when you hear somebody say, Father, there must be a son involved. So he says, Father, that old wicked, sorry, no, no, no count individual. Looks over to Jesus, which is right next to him, by the way. Now, you can, can you just imagine now, all three of them are like this, right? They're, they're like this, and they're like this, and they got spikes, and, and really, uh, they're hanging, and so there's a lot of weight upon their bodies going down because of gravity. Uh, the breathing of that, uh, it's very difficult. And so, the next thing you know is the heads go like that, right? Because you just don't have enough strength to, to get, and so... All he could move was just his head, and next to Jesus, next to him, because he was on the right side, right? He heard Jesus say, Father. Father. What's he saying? Jesus says, Father, forgive. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, he's introduced now to Jesus. He said, that man on my left, he just cried out to the Father. And he's telling the Father to forgive him. And I'm one of them. And he's asking them to forgive us. Forgive us who was ugly and mean and rotten and sorry and for doing what we did to Jesus. Forgive him. And so in a way of introduction, he learns now that Jesus forgives his enemies. I like that. The second thing that he introduces to Jesus is Luke chapter 23, verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Wow, this man right next to me is one not only forgives sinners, but he saves sinners. Well, he's being introduced to Jesus. These things are just rolling in his mind and in his heart as he's standing there, as he's up there on that cross, and he's going to die here not too much longer. And he hears one who says he saved others. He saves he forgives. Man, I'm telling you, I'm so glad that I'm sitting, I'm up here on this cross with him on the right side. And thirdly, we find in Luke chapter 23, in verse, in verse, um, I'm sorry, in Matthew chapter 27, and look in verse 37. We're going to come back to Luke with me, please. Matthew 27, look in verse 37. What else does he hear? The Bible says, he learns that Jesus rules kingdoms. Matthew 27, verse 37. 
the Bible says, and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. The man on my left is a king. He's a ruler. He's got a kingdom. He's introduced himself or introduced to Jesus. He knows now that Jesus forgives sins. He knows now that Jesus saves sinners. He knows now that Jesus has a kingdom. And he's the king. Oh, then we learn in chapter 27, verse 40, and saying, Thou destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days. Save thyself, if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Now he knows he's the Son of God. He's just not any son. I knew when he called out to the Father, he was somebody. Oh, but now I know he's the Son of the living God. The only one. He's God of gods and the Lord of lords. He's the Son of God, of the holy God. He then introduced to Jesus. Now he does he now know that Jesus is one who forgives sins and forgives and forgives sinners and or forgives enemies, but he, for, he saves sinners and he's the king of a kingdom and he's the son of God. But in chapter 27 and verse 42, the Bible says he saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, now he's learned he's the king of Israel. Matthew 27, verse 43. Now he's learned something else. He said he trusted in God. And now he believes that he trusted in God. Oh, he's learned. Chapter 23, back in the 39, chapter 23 of Luke, back in our text, look in verse 39. Chapter 23 of Luke, verse 39. One more thing that he has now been introduced to about Jesus. He says, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ. Now he's learned that he's Christ. He's now learned that he's the Messiah. He's now learned that he's the anointed one. He's now learned a bunch of things on this cross. Let me just tell you, ma'am, let me tell you something, sir, who you knew. The thief on the cross, and I know of the reputation and religion and, and what you said about his rest. Let me tell you something more that you didn't know. He was introduced to Jesus. Amen. My question to you this morning, have you ever been introduced to Jesus? See, you can't, you can't know somebody unless you've been introduced to somebody. You can't just bypass the introduction. And say, I just I know Jesus. Well, when did you get introduced to him? We find this thief introduced to Jesus. Number two, I notice that this thief was not only introduced to Jesus, but this thief was illuminated. Illuminated of Jesus. Many of y'all have said in within your own testimony that one day I was just sitting there, one day I was driving, one day it just came, and all of a sudden the light came on. Many of y'all said that kind of testimony to me. Man, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what was happening. I knew what I knew. But all of a sudden, man, I just understood. It's like the light came on. Amen. 
A lot of times the light's on, but nobody's home. But this time the light was on and I was home. Illumination came in my mind. Well, what was he illuminated with? I tell you what was he illuminated with. Number one, he was illuminated that Jesus Christ is the sinless Lamb of God. Look there in that verse 41. And he indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds. But this man, you need to circle this man. This man, not a man, not the man, but this man. Which man? The man in the middle. This man. What, what about this man? Well, this man hath done nothing amiss. He's finally come to the conclusion that this man on his left is Jesus Christ, the Savior of mankind. And I know that he's the Savior because this man has done nothing amiss. Amiss. Have y'all studied that word amiss? What it means? It's a, it's a very interesting study. I would challenge you to do that. Amiss. This separates Jesus from every other man who ever lived. Amiss. That word amiss there, it means out of place. Out of place. It means also out of order. So basically what this thief is saying on the cross is that this man the man I'm talking about right here this man has done nothing out of order wow nothing out of order what do you mean nothing out of order I mean everything that this man has ever done has been order never out of order can you say that about us? We come out out of order. I mean, as soon as we hit the ground, we are going out of order. And everything we touch is out of place. But there was nothing about Jesus that was out of place. You can't find anything about his first day on this side. You can't find it a day if he's 12 years old. You can't find the day he was 30 years old and the day he died at 33 and a half. None of the time ever in his mind, his heart, his thought, his deed, his word, his action, all that Jesus ever did, said, and done is never out of order. Never out of place. Illuminated man. Have you come to that illumination? Or you think Jesus is still the one who's just a pretty good old guy? He was just a good old prophet out of Nazareth. I mean, he was a mighty preacher on the seas of Galilee. I mean, he did a few things like, you know, walked on water. But, you know, okay, that's fine. He probably had a rock under it. It just looked like he did that. That Jesus is just a good old friend. That Jesus is just a good old preacher that Jesus is a good this and a good that but have you ever been illuminated that this one Jesus this one that we're speaking of never out of place never out of order you ever heard the word mistake 
where you get it from. Because when you have a mistake, you're out of order. Mistake? Hey, there's, there's a bunch of them. I, could, I think I looked them up last, yesterday. There's 400 of those. But I just wrote down a few of them. Mistake. How about mishap? That's where a miss come from. Mishap. How about a misstep? So in other words, Jesus never made a mistake. Never. There was never a mishap with Jesus. Never. There was never a misstep. Never. Misbehave. Never. How about a mistreat? Surely he mistreated somebody, somebody. Never. A miss. This man on the cross, he was one who's been illuminated of Jesus. And he has now seen, he has now known that he's sinless. The Lamb of God. Secondly, what his illumination was that Jesus is the supreme God. Of the supreme Lord. He says in verse 42. And he said unto Jesus. Lord. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you something. I bet you. I don't know the time frame. But it was no doubt less than an hour. Maybe 30 minutes. Maybe 15 minutes. Maybe 10 minutes. When he was right back there in Matthew chapter 27 verse 44. When he was saying all the things they were saying. And all of a sudden, boy, boom. Now he has been illuminated that Jesus is a sinless, love, sinless Lamb of God. And now he believes that Jesus is the supreme Lord. He calls him Lord. Now when's the last time this morning that you come to the conclusion that Jesus is the supreme Lord? So what does all that mean to you and I this morning? It means this. Don't take it lightly. This man was headed to hell. The word, the supreme Lord means this morning, it means that he's supreme in authority. So you don't get to do what you want when you want to. God is the supreme authority. And in the supreme authority, he has put in your life little authorities. Amen. You got parents. And when you disobey them, you disobey God. God's placed them in your authority. God's given you boss. He's put that authority. When you go against your boss, you go against God. God's given you a spouse. God's given us law enforcement. God's given us laws. Within our lives, God's given us the authority. There's no power except for God. So the Bible teaches. So we find whenever Jesus becomes Lord, it's because you say now he's authority of supremacy. He's authority of my life on Monday and Sunday and Friday and Saturday at work, at home, at play. He's always the authority. Never a time in my life uh, is he not authority. The supreme authority. Hey, it means this morning, it means number two, that this Lord is the possessor and disposer of everything. The possessor, you own nothing. He owns everything. And because he owns everything, he can dispose it at any time. He can take it up every time. Because he's the Lord, you say, amen, bro. Amen, Lord. Number three, 
That word Lord not only does it mean those two things, but the word Lord means He is the God of all. There's no other God beside Him. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God who created the world. He's God who's the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the King of glory. He is God. There's none beside Him. And so whenever you say, call Jesus with all your heart, with the illumination of the Holy Ghost of God, it brings forth out of your lips, it comes from your heart, that Jesus is Lord, you're saying that He's the God of all gods. Wow. That word, that word Lord means owner of everything. Now He's the disposer and He's the possessor of it, but He's the owner of it. Number two, or number three, something else that he was illuminated with is he saw himself as a sinful man. We find that in the text here in Luke 23. He says that in verse 41, we in, and we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds. You see, when this man got caught. This is the process. So uh, he's out there. He might have got caught doing the act. He might be got caught maybe down at the town. He might got caught maybe out there at play somewhere. He might got caught maybe in the market. Wherever he got caught, those who came and arrest him, they took him. They brought him to Herod in the pavement. That's where all that was going to take place would take place right there. They would tell him of all the crimes that he committed because he's a criminal. They would take the cat of nine tails, which was, was, at, was a whip, but at the, at the whip it had seven different uh, leather straps. And those seven different leather straps had seven different materials at the end of those, leather, those straps, like wood and metal and glass and uh, all types of Things that would just rip the flesh out of you. And so they would take this criminal. They would take, there's a rock there. They would lay him upon that rock. Or they would hang him in these chains. I've seen the chains. They hang them up. Because I was in Israel looking at down there at that same place. It would be back. It would be in a dungeon. And they would hold him up right there. They'd spread him out like this with chains. And they would take that cat of night tails. And they would just beat on his back. And as that metal and as that wood would come into the flesh, it would come in and grab and pull the flesh out. It wouldn't just scrape them. It wouldn't just cut them. It would go in and pull out. And as they began to whip on them, they began to beat on them. Friend, next thing you know, you'll find them as he's coming down to the place of Calvary. People were spitting upon him. People were looking upon him. People saying things about the criminal. You're a criminal. You're a thief. You're a robber. You stole from my mother. You stole from my father. You know what? I'm glad you're caught. I hope you died. Go to hell. All that along the way. So what he's saying in this verse here, he said, you know what? I deserve, I deserve to be arrested. I deserve that. See, when you finally know that you're a sinner, you'll begin to tell God, I deserve to be arrested. I deserve not only to be arrested, but I deserve to find myself being beaten. I deserve that. I deserve to lose. I deserve to come through suffering. 
I deserve to cause pain in my life. See, when you really become a sinner this morning, you'll say to God, God, I deserve to be arrested, but I deserve to have pain in my life and suffering in my life and to be losing my life. Lord, I deserve the very worst that man can do to me. That's if you become a sinner. Now, not many people get to become a sinner. Now, they want to look to Jesus in the way that he's Lord and he's king, but they don't want to look at themselves and say, I'm a rotten, dirty sinner, and I deserve to go to prison. I deserve to go to jail. I deserve for people to turn their back on me. I deserve the punishment that I get. I deserve the condemnation that I'm in. I deserve every word and everything because I'm a sinner. We find he's saying he deserves the sentence that they gave him. And as he was laying down on top of that cross, as the Roman soldiers were, were there laying upon him, they took him and they laid him upon him and crossed his legs and opened his arms and took those spikes and went down on the, on the wrist on both of them and down by the ankles on the other. And they were pounding those big old Roman soldiers, pounding every time they hit. I can just imagine the first time just sitting on the wrist right here and nothing went in yet. But the first time the hammer would have hit that spike, oh, it probably went halfway down. All oh, the pain. Then he hit him again. Then he hit him again. Hit him again. And finally it's got, got to the place where he can't move. And then on this side here, because he already knew that the pain was on that side. He come over there, boom, boom. And then his feet to cross, and they got the spike going, boom. You know what he's saying? I deserve I deserve these spikes. I do. I'm a rotten sinner. I deserve the spikes. I deserve the crucifixion. I deserve to die. I deserve hell. I deserve the judgment. Friend, after I die, for the Bible says it's appointed the man wants to die, then after it's the judgment, and I've lived a wicked life without God. I deserve the hell, and then I deserve the lake of fire that one day I'll be cast into it. Have you ever become a sinner? A sinner? Have you ever become a sinner? That's a good question this morning. This man was illuminated. He became a sinner. He has been introduced to Jesus, and now he's been illuminated of Jesus. You know, here's the sad part. If this man lived a proper and lived a good citizen life, he'd have never met Jesus. Is that true? He had to be a, he had to be a mess. He had to be a sorry, no good individual in order to get up on that cross and be on the right side of Jesus. Him being good and good at two shoes wouldn't have got him there. Think about that for a moment. He comes to Jesus as a sinner. He calls on Jesus as a seeker. Look what he calls. He says there in verse 42, he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. He calls. Yeah, he did. He called. He said, remember me, Lord. 
This word remember is, has, has, has a connotation of somebody who's died and the will or the inheritance is going forth. And as they open up that will, they see that this individual has remembered me. Right? Open up. I've got, what did my old uncle die? What, do I, what did I get? Wheels open. He said, you get my shotgun. He remembered me. That's what that word means. And so what he is saying to Jesus is Jesus, because Jesus had to die first. He could not go to paradise unless Jesus died. Right? He couldn't have died first. If he had died first, it would have been just the same old, same old. But Jesus died first. He said, when you die, Jesus, you remember me. And I don't know if some of y'all are even living. You see, salvation is Jesus only. I noticed that this man, didn't, didn't he didn't even pray. I, I mean, I, he said, I, not I prayed. Uh, he didn't. I mean, it's, it's Jesus only. He didn't even live. Matter of fact, can I say it like this this morning? Was that Jesus was interested in him. Because the Bible says in verse 43, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shall thou be with me in paradise. So it tells me this morning that Jesus was interested in him. Did you know that has to happen in order for you to get saved? Jesus got to be interested in you. The Bible says you've been received into the what? The Beloved. You think, well, I just got to receive Jesus and it's all said and done. Oh, no, my brother. You got to make sure that Jesus receives you. This ain't a one-way street. You receive Jesus, Jesus receives you, and now we find that Jesus was interested in him. And he said, today shall thou be with me in paradise. Boy, that's exciting. Can I say this about this man? He never went to church. What? I mean, Brother Larry, you up here preaching all the time about being faithful to the house of God. Matter of fact, in the bulletin, if you got a bulletin, read my burden. And my burden is this, is that God's people would come to God's church. My heart's broken for church members. They don't come to church. My heart's broken that people who say they're saved and love Jesus and love God, we preach the Word of God on Sunday night too. We preach the Word of God on Wednesday night. We break up the Word of God and we sing songs and we lift up Jesus and honor Christ and we come to a heavenly places and at the glory about this church and we want you to be with us and my heart's burdened for those who skip out. But here, this man here, he never went to church. Not one time. Not one time. This man here, I mean, I didn't ever go to church, but this man here, he never was baptized. Ooh. Cool. How in the world does anybody get to heaven without being baptized? That's amazing. This man wasn't baptized, and he's in paradise with Jesus. I know I threw a lot of theologians right there. This man never sang a hymn. Never sang a hymn. Can you imagine how unfortunate that is? Never sing old rugged cross. 
how great thou art. He never sang a hymn. He never went to church. I mean, he never was baptized. He never heard a sermon. He never gave a tithe. Something like some of y'all. Or gave a half a tithe. Or gave a portion of a tithe. You know, a tithe means tenth, right? So whatever God gave you, whatever God gives you for that week, if you make a, say, let's say you, hey, you make $5,000 a week, you'd be giving God $500 a week. You say, oh, brother, hey, but you know, I got some expenses out of that. I got FICA out of that. I got, uh, I got the Medicare coming out of that. I got my insurance coming out of that. I got my 401 coming out of that. I mean, I've got all kind of stuff coming out on that. You know, listen, I tell you what I do is I make 5000 a week, but I got all kind of deductions, $1,000 deductions coming out of that. And so that leaves me with 4000 And then I got all kind of bills and stuff going on. That's another 2000 And so I guess what I do is I'll be real generous with God on what I have left over, and I give him a $200 bill. You God robber. Well, I hope I know because I'm going to walk around with you my hand on my wallet because you're probably still from me too. Man, if you're still from God, you're still from man. Right? Amen, Brother Larry. When you start talking about money, it gets quiet. All of a sudden, his lips are sealed. I mean, let's not get that. Let's not go that far. This man never gave a tithe. This man, he never even prayed a prayer. This man ain't never even read the Bible. This man has never even went to Sunday school. And this man has never, ever went to and seen a missionary. Now, if I would say to you this morning, let me ask you a question. On the other side, in all that reputation, and all that religion, do you think he went to heaven or hell? We agreed well ago we went to hell. Well, if I said on this side, this man... He never been to church. He never was baptized. Uh, he was one this morning that never sang a hymn. He never heard a sermon. He never gave a tithe. He never shared a gospel. He never prayed a prayer. He never read a Bible. He never went to Sunday school. He never he done the missionaries. You think he went to heaven? You know what your answer would be, honestly? No. So what do we know? Uh, we think we're so smart that we can tell who's going to heaven and who's not going to heaven. Ain't that something? And yet in the scripture here, it baffled us both ways. I'm going to say three things and I'll close. I know everybody's getting ready. Number one, i tell you what he did do. He may not did any of that other stuff. One thing he did do, or three things he did. Number one, he repented. There in verse 40 and verse 41, he changed his mind. Look at this. But the, but, the, but the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing that are in the same condemnation? For we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. He changed his mind. That's repentance right there. Changed his heart. And it changed his life. You can't get saved unless you repent. You can't be born again unless you repent. You've got to have a change of mind before you come to God. Number two, he believed. Verse 42, he said, he said unto Jesus, Lord, 
He confessed his heart. He believed. He confessed his heart. And that's where you get saved at this morning is your heart. The Bible says there's no man without the Holy Ghost of God that can say to Jesus, Lord. And this man called him Lord. Confession of his heart. I confess. What does it say in Romans chapter 10, verse 9? I confess what? I confess with my what? The Lord Jesus. That's belief. He repented. He believed. And then I noticed here thirdly, that he was one who was converted of his soul because he received there in verse 43, today shall thou be with me in paradise. Jesus received him. <laughs> he received. He received the Lord and the Lord received him. Three thing, four things about that. Number one, it's present. This salvation I'm speaking of this morning is present. He said today. Today. If you're waiting for tomorrow, you'll never be saved. If you wait till you get a little older, you'll never be saved. If you wait until you get out of your situation and become a little bit better, you'll never be saved. If you're ever going to be saved, guess what the day is? Today is the day of salvation. We find the present of this. Number two, we find the personal of this. He says in verse 43, today shalt thou. Not the other, not the other thief, but thou. Not any of the Roman soldiers, not any other leaders, thou. Personal. Salvation is personal. Number three, it's permanent. He said, shall be with me. Permanent. And then third, third, fourthly, it's paradise. Man with Jesus. And can I say it like this this morning? With Jesus, it's paradise everywhere you go. We're not living in paradise today. But when Jesus living in us and we living in Jesus, it's paradise. Amen. The interview of death row. I wonder this morning, are you saved? Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. See, this man here. He had to come to the cross, didn't he, to be saved. He had to come to the cross. He was not going to meet Jesus anywhere else, but he met him at the cross. And guess where you got to come? To the cross. Will you come to the cross? And when you come to the cross, you'll see Jesus differently, and you'll see you differently. Would you come? You sing, Brother George, softly, tenderly. As men and women, boys and girls are, are just thinking, contemplating upon their own soul. Where are you with the Lord? Be careful when you tell somebody they're going to heaven or hell. You don't know. You don't know. I'll pray that every single person in this room is saved and their sins are washed in the blood of the Lamb. Please don't leave out of here without Christ. 
I beg you, dear friend, come to the cross. Come to the cross. Do you know that you know that you know that you know that you know? I'm saved, saved, saved. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. The sweetest name I know. Come, dear sinner friend. Let's just get it right with God. It's time. Amen. Let's be dismissed here this morning with a word of prayer. Come back tonight. We'll be back in Jonah. Looking forward to that, that God may have there. I sure have enjoyed Jonah. I'm praying that God one more time will meet with us tonight. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Brother Keith, if you'd do that for us, my brother, I'd appreciate it. Be mm-hmm.